After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is David Carey, President and CEO of Outrigger Enterprises, Inc., the largest full-service lodging and hospitality company in Hawaii. David was recently honored as PBN Business Leader of the Year for 2006. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, David Carey. Welcome to our show, David. Thank you. So, President of Outrigger Enterprises, could you tell us a little bit more about what your average day would be like? My average day, my typical average day is I wake up in the morning, get uh, you know the usual morning things, feed the dogs. Sometimes I take my youngest daughter to school, a little stop at Starbucks, and then into the office if I don't have a breakfast meeting. Although it used to be in the business you'd have your mornings to yourself, but now probably two days or three days a week there's a breakfast meeting on this, that, or the other subject. Off to the office, whole string of meetings interspersed with a little time on the email, a lunch or two, after lunch, a whole string of meetings again, sometimes internal, sometimes external. And if I have a good day, I sneak away and hit a few practice balls and do a walk a few holes before dinner, uh, go home and have dinner and then catch up on the rest of the emails while I was out fooling around on the golf course. I heard a lunch or two. Two lunches sometimes? Oh, I'm sorry. I just said after oh. lunch. No, one lunch. Oh, okay. Just one <laughs> lunch. Yeah, it you know. sounds like a apply. really fun day <laughs> for you. Well, I mean, hopefully you get... Everybody finds a job that you do, that you get paid for, that you have a lot of fun at. And I do. I'm very fortunate. I get to do stuff that's really interesting and makes a difference, and I enjoy, and it's easy to get up in the morning. Can you explain what Outrigger Enterprise is, what, what it does, and why it's important in this community? Outrigger Enterprises, Inc. Is a, really had its roots in just owning and developing hotels. Today we own, manage, develop hotels and retail in Hawaii and throughout the Pacific. How many? There are roughly uh, 50-some-odd hotels and condominiums and resorts in our system and about 11,000 rooms uh, located in Hawaii, Guam, Fiji, Tahiti, uh, Australia, and New Zealand. And when you first came on board, how big was that outrigger? Was it just focused on Hawaii and then you helped to expand it internationally? You know, my very first job out of college was I was at the front desk of the then Outrigger East Hotel and there were four outriggers and there were a few non-branded hotels in Waikiki and I think there were probably maybe 12 or 13 hotels in the system. I then went off to graduate school, got a law degree and an engineering degree and practiced law for a while. When I came back, there were 15 hotels. And then today, you know, we've we've got over 50 hotels and condos in our system, and we're all over the place. And by the way, when I first started, they were all within walking distance. How did you get involved with the company? Well, I was going to college, and I met this girl from Hawaii. And uh, we were dating, and she says, you know, gee, why don't, uh, why don't you come on over to visit to Hawaii? And I said, sure, that sounds like a great idea. And uh, I came over to visit before my senior year, and... Uh, I love the place. I fell in. We were sitting out on the seawall at night, moon about 35 degrees over the water, waves breaking in, wind blowing through the coconut trees, 
it's about 75 degrees. And I said, geez, I like this all the time. I was from Denver. And they looked at me like, well, yeah, of course. What do you expect? It's like this all the time. So I actually asked her dad, who, and we were just dating at the time, yeah, I'm graduating from school. Is there any chance I could come back and uh, get a job after college and, you know, just come in Hawaii and hang for a while and get a job? So I actually got a job at the hotel. I had no idea about the family business at the time. We weren't married at the time. And start working uh, entry level at the hotel. So that's how I got here, and that's how I got into the hotel business. And, and you married this person? And then we got married a couple of years later. Actually, she went back to school, and I stayed here uh, to work. And then we, I went back to graduate school, and we finished up graduate school. About Does the she time. work in the, in the business also? She worked for about two years in the business. And then when we started having kids, she went home and has been a stay-at-home mom. Although to these days, she's also assistant coach at the University of Hawaii women's soccer team. And she plays. Uh, her One of her teams was a national 40 title, and she plays racquetball. So she's still pretty active. And for you, too, I heard that you had a golf scholarship to college. Well, yeah, that's a little bit of a... I was offered scholarships in places, and I didn't take it. I ultimately went to a school where I wasn't offered a scholarship. I started to play for the team, and I went to my academic advisor and said, you know, I want to be a math science engineering major, and, and oh, by the way, I'm going to be on the golf team. And he looks at me, and he says, uh, son, you have to make a choice. If you're going to play on the golf team, you need to take courses where you don't have to go to class on Thursday and Friday. If you're going to do a math science engineering major, you're not going to succeed. So I decided not to play golf, and I stopped. I played three or four rounds with the team and stopped playing. And I didn't play for almost five years after. But then I did play soccer, so I played on the, on the varsity soccer team by the time I was a junior and senior. So I got a little running around and not so much travel. How did you change your interests from electrical engineering to into law and then you know working at the hotel? Well, you know, I first worked at the hotels. Uh, electrical engineering, I was always fascinated with things electronic, how they worked. I actually would have been a computer science major if they had one at the time. But if you can believe it, Stanford University in 1974 or 5 did not have a computer science major. So I finished with electrical engineering. I started working for the hotels. And then I uh, sort of got interested in things legal and, and uh uh, a business degree because of what I'd seen in sort of my work in the hotels, and so that's what fueled graduate school. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is David Carey, President and CEO of Outrigger Enterprises, Inc. How did you balance uh, your relationships between home, business, and then working for your father-in-law? How did I or how do I? Yeah, okay, both, <laughs> right? Well, um, 
You know, my father-in-law and I have always gotten along terrifically well. I tell people I think I still would have been working for the company even if we hadn't gotten married because we had a very good relationship when I first started working. Um, it's a very interesting relationship because in a professional business relationship, you don't have to show up at Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner and there are no relationship issues. So it adds an element of touch and communication that you perhaps don't get in a purely professional environment. On the other hand, uh, it, you know, there are other obligations. You know, you have to be more sensitive to I just can't get up and go without having some consequences within the family system. So there are benefits and, and some tugs at the same time. How was the transition for you moving from the mainland to do business in Hawaii here? You know, I was a young kid, so uh, Hawaii was great. You know, I got to play soccer all year round. I got to wear shorts and T-shirt when I got home. I never had to shovel the walk. Uh, it was terrific. And I was fortunate, I think, because my wife's family, uh, even though we weren't married, was very helpful in helping me integrate into the community. So, you know, sometimes mainland Holly coming to Hawaii has trouble adjusting. I think because I was young and because I had a local family who was supportive when I first got here, it made it a lot easier for me to understand how Hawaii really worked. What advice would you give people coming in from the mainland now trying to assimilate or do business here? You know, I, th well, I think the advice I'd give people is, is humility counts in the culture here because, we, you know, we have a very Asian personal, uh, I don't know how you describe it, a very Asian cultural background, which is more introspective than extroverted. So, you know, the typical extroverted mainland person sometimes is pushed off by the local who is used to a different communication style until they get to know you. So humility until you get to be known, I think, is a pretty important thing in Hawaii, even at my level. I, I, I'm a very casual person. I, in fact, I don't like to be nominated for awards. I don't like to go up and get that stuff because I like to just do what I do and make other people successful. So I think maybe that's built into me in, in the way, way I operate, and that's probably made it easier for me to inculcate here. How was it for you um, working with, I guess, you know, your soon your father-in-law, but he wasn't your father-in-law at that time. So dating the daughter and then, um, you know, marrying the daughter. How was it for you with your interaction with your employees? Was it like, oh, that's the guy that's dating the daughter, now the son-in-law? Well, what was interesting about the family business is my father-in-law had had a whole habit of bringing in college and young kids in the summer to, into the business. They used to call it the Kelly Summer Fun Program. I mean, literally there are some famous, and his father before did that, there are some nationally famous people who used to work for the business for a little while while they found their way. People like Peter Uberoth was a beach boy working for Roy Kelly years and years ago. Chuck Rolls got his restaurant start. Charlie Feeney actually did some work in the hotels who was ultimately DFS. So there was a history of bringing in, my father-in-law always believed in bringing in young, talented people, giving them a chance, maybe give them a time in Hawaii, and perhaps they'd work for the business, but if not, they'd be educated and better people. And I always respected that. So I was one of those people that was given a chance. I'm interested in finding out uh, how you asked your father-in-law to marry his daughter. Was it, okay, by the way, we're going to close on this building. We're, gonna, we're going to uh, develop this property. And, uh, can I marry your daughter? Well, you know, I wasn't working for the business then. We were going to school on the mainland. And, you know, I can't remember exactly how I asked him. I remember how I nervous? asked my was wife. Was it hard? I, no, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think it was probably a foregone conclusion, but maybe not. You never know. He He's pretty flexible about that stuff. So. What do you think you learned from him that uh, maybe the most important things that have helped you in your business career today? You know, he, he was such a proponent of education. I, I would say I probably would not have gone back to graduate school were it not for his encouragement. 
he encouraged his kids, he encouraged me, he encouraged the kids that worked in the business, get the best education you possibly can. And it doesn't really matter what it's in. The fact is that you're looking to strive and achieve. That's what's really important. And I, I think that's served me tremendously well over the time, just the value of education and what it does. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek Work with Monster so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with David Carey, President and CEO of Outrigger Enterprises, Inc. So, David, you know, you were talking about education prior to the break, and you're very involved with the Department of Education and the implementation of Act 51. Could you share with us, first of all, what Act 51 is and your involvement in the implementation of that in the schools and the system? Sure. Maybe maybe if I could, I'll digress a little bit and talk about why I think my work in education has been so important. I was lucky. I grew up in a place where the public schools were thriving. I'm a, the city and county of Denver when I was a kid had great public schools. In fact, the schools were so good that the two major private schools at the time were suffering for lack of applicants because the, the Denver public schools were so good. Things happened and it went away, but what it left in me is that, gee, I was fortunate enough to have a great public education. Everybody should have that opportunity. So translate, fast forward many years later, I'm looking as a senior business leader in the community at our public schools, and I'm going, you know, our kids here, the 11,000 or so kids that graduate every year, don't have that opportunity. They didn't have the education that enabled them to go to a Stanford, to go to a, a, you know, a law degree or a graduate business degree. What can I do as an individual or as a business leader to try to raise our public education system to a higher level? And I, I think it's just a crucial thing for the success of our community. So in my role on the Business Roundtable, I've been, I was on the executive committee and I've uh, been chair of that organization. The Business Roundtable said, as the business leaders of the largest companies in Hawaii, we probably have the most ability to move the needle uh, with government, uh, with political leaders and in the community on making education better. So one of the things that we supported was Act 51, which was an effort to try to begin to reform the ability of the public schools. The area that I had the most interest in Act 51 had to do with the so-called delinking. The public schools were responsible for teaching kids, but the repair and maintenance was in another department. It was with DAGs. Some of the legal stuff was in the Attorney General's office. Some of you know, a variety of other state agencies managed pieces of the school, including their own human resources. But we said, "Is this is silly? If, this, if we're going to hold our Department of Education accountable for schools, they've got to be responsible for their own work." particularly in repair and maintenance, which all you have to do is walk around a campus today and realize that could be better. And so we suggested that the DOE should pull the stuff out of DAGs and put it into DOE, and that was the part of Act 51 that, that I was involved in. Part of that, they created this interagency work group, 
which was legislatively mandated. We had the department heads of all these various agencies, including DAGs and the DOE, and we were charged with the responsibility of overseeing this transition. The legislature actually passed a law that said thou shalt transfer the repair, maintenance, and capital improvements work from the Department of Accounting and General Services DAGs to the DOE, and our job was to supervise that. It was originally done by the superintendent and the department heads, and finally the superintendent came to me and Don Horner and said, you know, we all have too much of a vested stake. We need you community leaders who have an independent view to help lead and marshal this process. So I agreed to chair it, and Don Horner agreed to support me as vice chair of this process to move the DAGs folks into the DOE and give them responsibility for their own destiny. And that actually took place in uh, July of last year, roughly. And uh, you know, I think it gives them the opportunity to say, we are responsible and they can't blame another department for timing or anything else. So that's taken a tremendous amount of facilitative time, working with the government employees saying it's going to be okay. In fact, it may even be better. Working with the schools to say, okay, now that you have this responsibility, you better do it well because we're watching you very carefully and it's important to our children. If the buildings in the schools aren't right, the teachers can't teach. You know, if the air conditioning doesn't work, if the power doesn't work, if the toilets don't work, it interferes with the educational mission. So fortunately, it was relatively easy to motivate people to see that, although it was tough to cause the state agencies to change. But uh, I think we're making progress. The schools, you know, are getting better. Their backlog of repair and maintenance are down. Uh, the process of designing and doing major capital processes is, is much improved. What makes you want to spend your time doing these things when you're busy running a international hotel conglomerate you know my own personal mission is that god gave me special talents and skills and what i want to do is use my talents and skills to make the lives of those around me better so you know public education as i said i was fortunate enough to have a great public education and i would like to use my ability to enable other kids to have a great public education and i also do some work on the private side i'm on the punahou board of trustees and it's very interesting to see how it can operate when you have very motivated kids, very motivated parents, and more money, and no bureaucracy. Are you able to share with us a story about somebody that maybe came up to you or shared with you their story about after you helped to implement, and you know, even now, the Act 51, how it's changed, I guess, their school or their learning in school? Well, I think it's, I'm not sure I could, there are specific stories other than there's hope that the process is going to be better. The other outgrowth of all of this work on the interagency work group in Act 51 is that we were able to focus the public and, and in particular, legislators and government on the, the resource constraint on fixing the schools. In other words, we have 260-some-odd schools that probably have a capital spending backlog of somewhere between 400 and $600 million. And yet every year they had sliced the maintenance and operations budget and been relatively chintzy on the capital budget, the CIP budget. And finally, through this process, as we were trying to measure the performance, we said, boy, you better pay attention to the capital. And so out of that, I think, as this surplus came up in, in recent legislative times, people were more willing to say, yes, you're right, there is a problem, and we need to devote some more money to improving the building so that our teachers can teach. So you know, I, I, that's probably the largest victory as opposed to any single one victory, other than I talked to a fellow who was a former DAGS employee, who's now in the school, and he says, you know, now it's great. The only problem is we're swamped. We have so much work to do. We've got a little money and lots of work. But he was excited, and he saw that there was hope. And, and so, you know, I feel like I've had some small measure of success, although I think our work is far from over.
Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is David Carey, President and CEO of Outrigger Enterprises, Inc. Mr. Carey is a member of numerous business and community organizations. He was a past chair of the Chamber of Commerce Military Affairs Council. He is a trustee of Punahou School and is the chairman of Implementing of Parts of the Act 51. It seems that with the Hawaii Business Roundtable, the... Leaders in that program are all socially conscious. What do you think about business leaders in smaller companies, or maybe they might not be at the highest level of their company? Should they get involved with doing community things as well? Well, you know, we all live in the community, and it's probably easier in a large company where you have more resources and more people. And I mean, I have lots of people working for me doing most of the real work. But if through the engagement in the community, you know, it provides a personal level of moral satisfaction, but it also makes a difference because generally people that run companies are knowledgeable, smart, capable. And so those are the kinds of people that I believe should really apply their talents to help make the lives of all of us better. And it doesn't have to be in massive ways. It can be in little ways. Here a project, there a project, and particularly a place if someone has some passion about it. I mean, I'm somewhat passionate about education, so it's very easy for me to get motivated in that. So I tell kids all the time, find things that you're passionate about, and you'll, it'll be easy to find the time to get it done. You know, I wanted to go back to um, the outrigger industries. Um, are you able to share with us how the transition of the growth happened with you folks? Did, was that in your plan when you first became well, the an, executive team? Well, it's an interesting story. I mean, we were founded by a couple who really designed built and then ran and believed that management by walking around. When my father-in-law took over the business, he felt like we needed to expand at some and began to expand to the neighbor islands. In 1992, we had Hurricane Iniki here. And at 11 a.m. that morning, uh, TV news said it's a Category 5 storm. It's got sustained winds of 175 miles an hour, and it's aimed at Waikiki. And I remember sitting in a ballroom with about 200 of our employees wondering what we were going to do. And I looked out over the room and I said, you know, if that storm comes here, our business is over, or at least for the foreseeable future. 
And as a prudent company, we had better think about, over the time, diversifying our operations in other places. So it took us a little while to do that, but that, that was really the impetus that caused us to begin to diversify out into the Pacific. And then we looked for places where our both our island marketing experience, our cultural sensitivity and the like would add value. So we went to the islands of the Pacific, Australia, New Zealand, and we're in Fiji, Guam, Tahiti. We were in the Marshall Islands for a while. We were in Palau for a while. We'll be in Bali coming up. Places where people come to on vacations and yet where our, our cultural style of values management can also make a difference. Do you go in as outrigger or you go in as ohana? We go in primarily as outrigger, although you know, if we have a choice. Uh, in Guam, for example, we have one outrigger on the beach and two hanas off beach. Those are the only ohanas that we have outside of, of Hawaii at the moment. Most of the other ohanas are off beach in Waikiki or on the neighbor island. And can you explain why you folks uh, split off the ohana kind of line, I guess you would sure. want to call Once it? Once upon a time, we were one size. Actually, when I first joined the company, there were only four of the three of the properties were actually named. Four of the properties were actually named outrigger and yet there were 10 or 13. When I first joined the business, we said, gee, you know, we've got this great name. Why don't we name all of our properties Outrigger? At that time, they were all relatively comparable quality, relatively similar room style. With the advent of the bubble economy, the market went up, and so we began to reinvest in a number of the properties, and we got better payback, frankly, closer to the beach. So we dramatically improved our properties near the beach, and as we began to expand in the Pacific, all of those were all brand-new builds. So the older properties that were built a long time that weren't quite on the beach and maybe didn't get as much investment were of a different caliber, really, than the stuff that was on the beach or the new stuff that was in the Pacific, and it was confusing the customers. So we said, gee, we really need to sort this out. So the Outrigger brand has the most legs. We like that. We're going to keep that in our beachfront properties. And we wrestled with what do we do about name. And we started, it's very interesting, we started talking about different names and some of our employees said, oh, no, you mean we're not going to be part of Outrigger? I mean, we're part of the Outrigger Ohana. And we said, ah, you know, we really are an Ohana as a company. Let's call these Ohana hotels. So that's really the genesis of, of that naming division. What it enabled to do is to us to tell the customers the Outrigger are nicer properties on the beach, and the Ohanas are clean, simple, fun. Uh, they're good and clean, but they're, you know, more, more in a mid-price range as opposed to a luxury property on the beach. You know, your expansion inter international, are you able to give us some tips on doing business international of how to be successful when expanding? Well, I think that the thing that's worked best for us has been to find a local partner where we have a community of interest, common interest. We, in Guam, we have a local family who's been our, our owner and partner down there in Fiji. We have a, a, an individual who's owned and been, a, been involved in that for a long time. In Tahiti, the owner that we have there has been involved for a long time. Australia was a little bit different. We started out partners with a local company, but we found that our name was known enough and there was enough cultural similarity that we were able to build our own infrastructure. But, you know, the short answer is find a local partner that you, you share your dreams and visions with and that understands the local underpinnings, you know, in the same way as when somebody moves from the mainland and comes to Hawaii. Can you talk real briefly about Military Affairs Council and why you're involved with that, why it's important? You know, the military, is, it's very interesting. I got involved in the military because I got to know some guys from some event sponsorship that we did. And I realized that the officers in the military, most of them have been in 20 different cities over the course of their life. They're tremendously intelligent individuals. So what I've tried to do is extend out a welcome hand so that when they're in Hawaii, they really feel like they're welcome here. And then as a company, we've tried to help the enlisted personnel for a couple of reasons. One, because we're, we're pleased that they're working for the country. 
but also because eventually they'll be good customers. And if we take care of them here, we hope that they'll come back and see us again. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio Hawaii.